0: And we're back on the wrap. Tom Mazzaway and Clarence Black live from the Jim reels friendly Chrysler Jeep Studios in Farmington. We're getting ready for the NFL draft and uh, prime time. And the deal I've been hearing, Clarence, is this going to be the most bet on, the most wagered on draft in the history <laughs> of of all sports. It is because man. this is it. This is all you can bet on. Yeah. This or the weather, basically. Well, and hey, here we so, are.
1: So, what was it? The fail? They like they had their com check and. It didn't go well, I'm trying to get all this stuff squared away. I mean, yeah. as can, and as you there's can lot, imagine, there's a man, lot, man. I, this virtual draft could oh be. I mean, moving, moving tough. parts and pieces. Oh, my, and, my God. A lot man, of these deals tough,
0: have to be done basically before the draft starts. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it's going to be, hold on, we have to take a timeout here, stop the I clock.
1: I don't think there's any question that Joe Burrow already knows. I'm sure that deal is just, yeah. it's a formality. What's interesting is, too. I'm wondering if Chase Young already, and I haven't heard anything. Nah, he's he's but going you, to rest. you would think that would, But you would think that would be leaked already. Yeah. Um, or he
0: plays a face. But somebody like made believe. a great
1: somebody made a great point too, which is because it's you can like there's the video, but can you hear? Like people got to be making deals. There's a yeah. lot of you know. So this is going to be. There's people on their
0: phones, cell yeah. phones, and no
1: one's ever done this, so they're trying to figure it out. Are people going to be walking out of rooms? And it's just this is weird. There's
0: a guy in a Winnebago. Yeah. Outside of Dave Gettleman's house, the New York Giants' uh, GM, he's like the backup. He's the assistant GM yeah. in case something fails in Dave's house. They can go to the Winnebago. Yeah. Yes, yes. I mean, teams are. This is unbelievable. Yes, I wish we. Knew. I hope. I hope there's like. I wish we could be outside of Bob Quinn's yeah. house or his bunker. Well, whatever I told you, dude. You I want
1: to see. Happen. I want to see. I hope that it turns into like cribs. Where we can get, like, the tour of Roger Goodell's man cave. Oh, yeah. It was just like, you remember MTV Cribs? Of course. Like, I wish, I saw what I wish, man. Like, we could just see.
0: What's $40 million a year by you, Roger Goodell? Like, a six-floor basement. $40 Like, million a, like a an year. elevator. That's what that guy makes.
1: Elevator. Oh, 40 yeah. It's million. definitely an elevator. He's definitely got an elevator. $40 million a year. Not bad. For, for do it work for five years and just retire. I'm good. You know
0: That's a job you don't want to retire from. Oh, yeah, no. Especially those those NFL uh, owners, as long as you're getting them money, they'll keep you there. They'll keep you there. Now, he's the most booed man uh, in America, probably. And Gary Bettman has always booed as well.
1: He's earned a little bit of it.
0: Anyway, we're going to have Justin Rogers from the Detroit News join us. He has his mock draft 3.0 out. It's about two hours old now. So we're going to chat with him and uh, see what he thinks the Lions are going to do. And he's got them making a trade. We'll have to wait and let you know... uh, when we get him on, and we'll let him tell you what they're going to do. But the Lions have their picks. The Patriots picked up an extra fourth-round pick now for Rob Gronkowski, who is now in Tampa Bay. We talked to Greg Almond on our last show from The Athletic in Tampa Bay, and they're all set. They're all in. And then you got guys, I'll tell you right now, if the Lions don't move from third, I'm on your boat. I'm on KB's boat. I'm on Freddie's boat. Yeah. Just take take your quarterback because you're not going to pick God willing, in the top three
1: uh, anymore, or at least for a so long time. You, that's your hope, at least. You're you're a diehard fan, yeah, right. I'm. I'm. Man, I love the Lions. I I want. Who has more succeed. Lions gear than me? No, bro. No, but you 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 go hard, legit. <laughs> if the the biggest thing that this franchise needs and fans like you, man, we need a shot in the arm. We need a like a just a. We need some life breathed into us. If you think about the greats and guys that win i think ray lewis didn't just get drafted to baltimore he literally breathed fire a flame into that organization that you could argue is still it's still going today yeah. the spirit of ray lewis is still there today it would have been there when he was in, if he was in jail too, yeah. too. <laughs> but i'm saying that's what that's what you need the spirit of just something like your cult like that. The Ravens are synonymous with Ray Lewis, man. Yeah. Like the Bulls aren't synonymous with like the spirit of Michael Jordan isn't running around that franchise. Or sure, at it but, is. Hey, no, it's not at all. Like the 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 colors and all that may be the same, but it's not. Those play. I mean, you you don't. Those players aren't holding on to that. That's not a part like the fan. It, in this, is what makes football so unique? Like Mahomes, man, Mahomes has that thing. Favre, like the great ones, breathe. They they light a fire that it just it doesn't go out. In football, it's just something about the game that, that where you get one guy, we need that. I know we do. Sue was that? I thought. Hey, he was. It's too bad uh,
0: they made the decisions they did, and and he walked anyway. Uh, on the phone with us now is our friend Justin Rogers from the Detroit News. He joins the wrap here, Tom Mazzaway and Clarence Black. Jr., you got your uh, mock draft 3.0. Your finale is out, your masterpiece. And what are the Lions going to do, buddy?
2: Man, if I didn't have to do any mock draft, that would be even better. <laughs> but uh, that's, the, that's the job. Um, it is. I, I firmly believe and have for a while that Jeff Okuda will be uh, a Detroit Lion You know, following Thursday night. I, I'm not convinced it's going to be at 3.0. Uh, I think there's still a good chance the Lions will be able to trade down, Um, but it is a weird environment. I think we all know that, and you know maybe they do have to stick at three, but I think Okuda is is the guy.
0: All the, uh, the rage now is the Dolphins moving up, not only to take Tua, but to take an offensive tackle to try to jump the Giants. So I think now the Giants may be a wild card. If the Dolphins don't want to deal with the Lions, then maybe the Lions call the Giants and say, hey, you want to protect yourself? Move up one spot with us. Maybe, maybe that's out there as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's so many smoke screens at this point, and It's really tough to decipher what's what. Uh, I, I think we all know that that Miami has the the compelling amount of draft equity. They can swing a bigger bet than just about anyone to go up and get who they want. And the Giants historically, with with Gettleman, haven't been a, a team that has taken. Um, a tremendous amount of risks. I mean, they're, they're just not a team that trades up or trades down really in the first round. They, they kind of prefer to stick where they're at. So <laughs> I think I'd be surprised to see the Giants make that move. Um, I'm also not entirely convinced that uh, the offensive tackle storyline for Miami is, is completely accurate. I still think that it's more likely that they're interested in moving up for a quarterback. We all know that that is the the money position in the NFL—that's where you find the guy that's going to help carry you to the next level. That team needs an offensive tackle, no question about it. There are four at the top of this class, and and I think that if they really want one, they probably can leverage their their number eighteen pick and maybe some uh, additional draft equity to to move up in the the middle part of the first round. Get to a then get your offensive tackle.
0: I think Gettleman was a, 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 a craps roller. I mean, he took da- Daniel Jones last year. People almost jumped off the cliff
1: yeah, when I they took him. I was one
0: of them. And I'm a Giants fan. I grew up a Giants fan. I and I couldn't believe that pick. But when I watch that kid, I love what I see. I really do.
2: You know, I was at the Senior Bowl last year, and, and I was watching Daniel Jones. And, of course, I, I had very little interest in, in the quarterbacks, you know, given Matthew Stafford was right. pretty firmly entrenched, especially at that point. Uh but I remember tweeting out as as I watched uh Daniel Jones work, I go, Man, this this kid just has the arm of a first rounder and I got just hammered on Twitter for even <laughs> suggesting that Daniel Jones looked like a first rounder. I remember. And so uh Dan- Daniel Jones I'm sorry, Dave Gettleman definitely made me uh, look look smart, or Good. I don't know if I, I really want to be tied to, to Gettleman's opinion. But so you're right, do. he does take some risks in in terms of the guys he drafts. I mean, I think it's it's a natural risk at this point to take a running back, even at the level of Saquon Barkley, in this NFL as high as he did. But from a trading perspective, he has seemed to uh, take little risk, both in, in New York and Carolina, in terms yeah. of, uh what he's been willing to do with that pick in terms of moving
0: you still there i am okay i thought, thought we lost you there for a second <laughs> justin rogers joins us from the detroit news lions uh picking third right now but if they stay at three jr it would kill me if they took a cuda at three it really i don't care i i just i don't want a cornerback at three I, and we look back years and years ago and they back went back to back Bryant Westbrook and Terry Fair and I know that's not fair to to, to compare to people, but I don't want I don't want one
1: of this will be the, the highest you're picking third man'll be the highest. I think in the 20 years. I think Woodson went four in 98, and I know that uh, Patterson was five. Denzel Ward's the highest at yeah. four in, what, 16? Jalen Ramsey was a five. Yeah, But there's no way I can see a, a cornerback at three. I mean, that's that's, that's how good off the, kid the is. board, right,
2: Justin? Please just say that's off the board, a cornerback say, say at it, three. No, I don't I don't think it is off the board. Oh. You know, I think the cornerback position over time, and, and particularly in this past happy era of the NFL – uh, it's probably become the fourth most important position on the field, and I think you'd find publications out there, analytics sites, Pro Football Focus being one of them, that would argue it's the second most important position on the field to have a a, a top-flight corner. I mean, teams are throwing 60% of the time. You know, I I have a hard time believing that a pass rusher is still not that second most important position. Offensive tackle, I think you could still qualify as, as more important, but I look at the Lions roster and I say, all right, where do they have needs and where are the highest graded players? They don't really have a need at of offensive tackle since they went out and signed Vitai to a pretty lucrative contract. Taylor Decker's still in the fold, and I know they want to re-sign him. I don't anticipate Chase Young being there, and I think that's, I guess, the wild card that needs to be discussed. If Chase Young is on the board at number three, then, yeah, that's the pick. You obviously take him over a cornerback. And then you look at the other guys that are in this conversation. You talk – Isaiah Simmons, yep. fascinating prospect, but what is the past playing time for Isaiah Simmons of Detroit? You've got a guy in Jamie Collins who has that, that same uh, level of versatility, the ability to rush the passer, to drop into coverage, and, and maybe he's not as fluid in coverage as, as a Simmons could be, but that's where you have Tracy Walker, another young star that kind of, again, takes that overlap and and takes the Simmons out of the equation for uh, instant, immediate playing time and impact. And then you have Derek Brown, who I think is a very good defensive tackle. I think his pass rushing ability is underrated, but he's still a projection at that point. He's a run stopper first. And you talk about not taking or not getting value in the top five. If you take a run stopping defensive tackle that you hope to develop into a pass rush in the top five, that's an even worse pick than a cornerback. I look at Patrick Peterson and I look at Jalen Ramsey as the comps here for Okuda. And you say you can't take him in the top three, but those two guys were taken at five and have turned into very good, effective NFL players. And to me, top five, top three, there's no difference. There really isn't. You know, you take Young if he's there. If you need a quarterback, obviously you take that position. But I don't think you can hesitate just based on historical trends. You have to look at what's available in this class. And at some level, you have to factor in your needs. I think Simmons is the other argument, but the lines just don't have a spot for Simmons after signing Jamie Collins, so I think that's why Okuda's the guy for me.
0: And Jamie Collins, to me, is a wild card. I mean, he's only been successful as a Patriot. As a patriot. And it happens with a lot of these Patriots that they grab. But that I can't, I can't put my money on that. If Lawrence Taylor is available and you have Harry Carson, which they did at Giants, you still take Lawrence Taylor.
2: Yeah, it's... But but Okuda's not Lawrence Taylor. The fact is, he's he's undersized. You know, he's six four. he's 238 pounds. What does he play in this scheme? He's not a middle linebacker. He never lined up in that position as Clemson. You don't know how he handles banging between the tackles. He's a fluid sideline-to-sideline side right. mover. You're not going to line him up on the edges, so you're not going to be a, a pass rusher outside of situationally. So he's an off-the-ball linebacker. You invested in that position last year in Tavai, and – you can't ever hesitate right. to to move on from a guy because you have a better option. But Simmons is just a weird thematic fit for what the Lions do. Um, you know, you talk about Acuda, and, and let's let's just pretend in some hypothetical situation that uh, Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn are done after this year. It doesn't work out. Right, they move on. Akuda fits no matter what with the next team. Of You're course. not going to waste that pick. You don't know if Simmons fits in with the next guy. You don't know if Derrick Brown is a good fit defensively for uh, what the next guy might be. And, yes, good coaches find ways to use good players, but it's really easy to figure out what Jeff Okuda is and how he fits in long-term in any defensive scheme.
0: So why not just keep Slay then after all of this?
2: Well, that, that was yeah. I mean, more of a personality a, conflict than a talent. That's terrible. It's a, that that was is. terrible. Well, I mean, you're not going to find an argument here. You know, I thought oh. Darius Slay was a good player. You know, the Lions, if, if we're put on the spot, they would try to justify the trade on declining play. Terrible. I think there is something to Slay's age and the contract demands. I think once you get to the age of 30 as a cornerback, it's it's a risk to pay them top dollar, and that's exactly what Philadelphia did. They gave him $17 million a season. I think the contract was short enough that you take that risk and you continue on with a very good man-coverage cornerback because how long how long did the Lions look for that guy before they found Darius? Of
0: course. Play? Everyone uh, looks for guys like that. You right. just don't give them away, and then then they give the guy, what's his name, Quinn to Seattle
2: the year before that.
0: Diggs, I mean.
2: Yeah, I mean, that that one, the timing is about that. But, uh, you know, I, I think – with the way Tracy Walker developed and and the fact they're able to get Deron Harmon, I, I think they're fine at the safety spot. Uh, the weirdest part about the Dix trade was the timing of paying him and then trading him. Uh, but to go from, from Slay to Desmond Trufant, that's a downgrade. I, I think it would be far more exciting to go into the 2020 season. You pay Slay, you, you use that money you gave to Trufant and you put it in somewhere else in the defense, preferably a pass rusher and you draft Okuda. Now you've got Maybe one of the best cornerback tandems in the league for three years, and you build around that, similar to the way Seattle built around their secondary, their Super Bowl run.
1: Amen, Justin. The, the, if there's a theme to this draft for the Lions, I mean, it, is, overall, is it is it about being safe? Is is it about? They're
0: always about being safe.
1: But I mean, I mean, is it is it safety? Is it about fit? I mean, is it a, I mean, what is what is the overall theme of this draft? And, and as you look at this, will Lions fans post-draft be, you know, do you think they'll be happier or do you think they're just going to kind of look at this and say, okay, it's just same old Lions?
2: Well, with the fact that they need to win now, you know, and I, I know that, that term doesn't quite have meaning for everybody, but there is this uh, mandate from ownership that um, they, they have to be, a serious playoff contender to, to retain their job. I think those early picks have to be contributors. And I don't know if that's a whole lot different than, than how Bob Quinn has approached it previously. You look at his, his first round draft, Taylor Decker, Jared Davis, TJ Hawkinson, Frank Ragnell, all those guys, there was a clear path to playing time. That's how Quinn thinks he wants his first rounder to have the green light to, to be out there immediately and contribute. And again, that's, that's why I look at Okuda as the obvious guy. He could go right out, plug and play. Uh, but I also think at pick 35 and, and whatever else you, you may pick up in a in a trade, whether that's Miami's second first rounder at 26 or even their second rounder at 39, you're looking for guys that can can contribute in big ways immediately. In terms of the remainder of the draft, you know, it's, it's going to be the same old, same old. I don't think Quinn's going to change his his approach too dramatically. He's going to be looking for long-term pieces. He's going to be looking for guys that can contribute on special teams. He's got to find a receiver to kind of um, solve the problem, the fact that they have nobody under contract after this season. Uh, I think that there's room to upgrade the backfield. I don't know if they'll do it early. I think you can make a convincing argument to do it in the second round if the right guy's there, but I think there's also plenty of – guidelines as we talked about with Barkley earlier that it it's not the best value to draft a running back early, but if you're looking for instant impact, Jonathan Taylor, a guy yeah, like that, J.K. Dobbins like that is going to make an instant impact.
0: I hope they last to that number pick, number thirty five pick, one of those guys. We gotta have one of those guys. Justin Rogers from the Detroit News joins us. You guys always bust each other's chops. Burkett, meinke Rothstein and you of course. And who has Tua going no matter what? Is it is it Dave? Does Dave have Tua coming to the Lions? I don't. I don't
2: think he ever has. You know, as much as I bust Dave's chops, I, you know, sometimes I think Dave keeps things afloat because he's bored. Um, I think if you ever pin Dave down on what he really believes, then uh, I don't think he ever really seriously saw Tua as a lion, and there's a reason for that. You know, Matthew Stafford is paid what he is. And if you want to argue durability concerns with Matthew Stafford, which I think is an absolutely fair argument after missing time for the first time in eight seasons last year, having two serious back injuries, if you want to argue that is your level of concern with Matthew Stafford, you don't replace him with another guy with massive durability concerns. (laughs) I'm sorry. It just doesn't make any sense. I think if the Lions were drafting one or two right now and there was a realistic shot uh, to, to drafting Joe Burrow, it's a conversation that you would have to have. You know, and I, I think you can I I would probably advocate for the Lions drafting Joe Burrow if they had that shot. That's the wrong the, the right long term solution with a guy that just came off arguably the greatest college football season for a quarterback we've ever seen. He's got all the tools, he's got the durability, he's got the leadership. That's the guy you draft to replace your starter, even if the starter is locked up long term and has football left ahead of him. But that's to, uh, I just as talented as he is, the, the injuries, the left-handedness, which is a factor with quarterbacks, the fact that he's undersized. I mean, there's just too many things where I just go, no, that's not the gamble I take right now. If I'm Miami, and or if I'm Los Angeles, the, the Chargers, or Jacksonville, and I don't really have a, a lockdown franchise option, yeah, I roll the dice. But at Detroit, it's not the right time to make that move.
0: I think Jacksonville is uh, waiting till next year so they can get uh, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I listen to Colin Coward a lot, and I know he's got his opinions and a lot of them are wrong, but I love what he said about them. He says they're in complete dump mode right now, whether, whether you you know it or not. He thinks Jacksonville is dumping. For what teams are dumping and looking for Trevor Lawrence for next year? Is he the the best in the biz, or do you like Joe Burrow as number one?
2: No, I think both quarterbacks are are worthy of the number one pick in their class. But I think the problem that you you learn is you can't tank for a guy and expect it to work. And, and I look right at Miami as an example, and it was always tank for Tua. And, yeah. you know, at some point it, it turned to tank to Burrow because that, that was the guy that leapt to the top of the draft chart. But Miami did so much more to be awful. I mean, if you look at the trades they moved, the yeah, cuts yeah. they made – they tried so hard to be the worst team in football, <laughs> but they got good coaching they out did. of their new coach. I love
0: Flores, I love that guy
2: yeah, those guys played hard and they won and they won and they worked themselves into the number five pick so I, I don't care what Jacksonville does uh, you know the players don't think of tanking that's right. a front office, sure. Uh, mantra, and so you can't control whether you're going to draft number one or overall. There's always going to be a couple teams that are absolute garbage and might be worse than you, so, um, you know, I, th- I think you have to, you know, Jack, that's why I think Jacksonville is, is kind of being loosely in the discussion here yeah. with 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 Tua and Herbert, because they're sitting at nine, they've also got pick 20. Nine and 20 is enough ammo to move up to number three, if sure. they really yeah. wanted to. Uh, Minshew's marketable. He's fun. You can get by with him for a year and, and hope that things fall apart and you can get your shot at Lawrence. But, uh, you know, that, that's a roll of the dice when you can have, I guess, a little, you can be a little bit more aggressive this year and, and take that chance now.
0: Now, usually we'd all be at Ford Field for the draft. This year, obviously, you know, who the heck knows where anyone's going to be? How are you, what are you? Where are you guys stationed and how are you, like, locked into what the Lions are doing? And how, what are you doing, you guys? You, you beat riders.
2: Well, I can't speak for anybody else, but I'll be home. Okay. Um, You know, uh, it's going to be an interesting one to navigate with kids, but... What's your setup? um, What's your setup at home, JR? Great question. Um, (laughs) For the draft, I mean, I need the television. Of course. Uh, So, um, I only have one in the main floor of my house that's in the living room, so I will probably be stationed on my couch, which uh, (laughs) isn't great for the long-term condition of my back and hip, (laughs) but... uh, it, it is what it is. Uh, make sure we have some snacks. Uh, we'll probably not dip into the alcohol. Okay. <laughs> seems, seems like a professional thing to do.
0: Are you Zooming with the other guys? Are you Zooming with uh, Burkett,
2: Mikey, and Rothstein? Are you all together? You know, no, we, we probably won't. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's... I, I really like all those guys. I would consider them <laughs> friends, yep. uh, but Every they also are himself. competitors. Of
0: course, of course.
2: And so, <laughs> you know, we're going to be all focused individually on doing our job. There will be some uh, overlap together. We're going to be Zooming with Bob Quinn at the end of the, each night. All right. And so, um, you know, we will get that opportunity still to interview the GM and kind of get his thoughts on why things happened the way they did and uh, at least what, what he loves about the pick that he did make. Um We'll also be doing conference calls with each of the picks, hopefully. So we should get a chance to talk to Okuda, Simmons, or whoever that pick may end up being. Who are your go-to
0: guys on the phone, on the uh, on the cell phone, like to, for rumors?
2: Oh, well, that's, that's confidential All information. Right. Oh, oh, I'm trying, Come man. I, I can't, I'm try- I can't I'm tip him. off who my go-to guys are. Hey, John- I, no, I mean, I do. There's there's analysts I talk to. There's, there's scouts I talk to. Um, you know, the – the sourcing within the Detroit Lions has been certainly tougher in the Bob Quinn era. I don't want to lie. Of course we know, you know, it is, it is the Patriots mentality and, and there's very much an effort to keep things in house. Uh, you know, I, I do still have people that I I talk to in the organization, but the answers don't come as often or as easy as they used to.
1: That's a fact. That's a fact. Justin, last thing, obviously, you know, everybody dealing with the coronavirus. um, are the Lions, because they are locked in at quarterbacking and coach, and they while they've made changes, they still are relatively stable, are they in as good a position as anybody, you know, maybe in the league um, to handle maybe a, a prolonged de- delay?
2: No, the Chiefs are definitely in the best position to handle a prolonged <laughs> delay. They're, they're going to go to sleep every night with that Lombardi trophy, uh. and I think they're returning 10 of their 11 offensive players with the great uh, – the Lions aren't in terrible shape, you know. I think the the benefit to them was let's let's look at this team as two different teams: the one that played the first eight games and one that played the last eight games without Matthew Stafford. You know, in reality, this this is the team that played the first eight games, and so they were three, four, and one. Lost a couple heartbreakers in there. Could have been, I think, reasonably seven and two, six and two. I'm sorry. Uh, you you take that Kansas City game, you get a fourth down stop. You don't blow a. Seventeen point lead in Arizona. You don't get uh, you know screwed by the officials in Green Bay on Monday night. Like they had a lot go there, there against them uh, during that stretch, but they weren't a bad football team. They weren't a good football team, but they weren't they were competitive. They were a playoff contender at the very least. You you make some changes this offseason, and I don't think any of them are particularly compelling. But you look at the guys they did bring in that are. Um, the, the game changers, I guess you would, are, are the guys that are upgrades. You look at Jamie Collins. You look at Duran Harmon. You look at Danny Shelton. Those are guys that have played in the scheme. A uh, couple of them know Matt Patricia. The learning curve is minimized. And so they, they're they better off because of that, because if they don't have an offseason program, there's not a lot of catch-up for those guys. Oh, man. So the key is finding rookies that are smart and capable to also assimilate quickly in in a world where there is no offseason program, and again, that's another vote of confidence for a guy like Jeff Okuda. He's coming from a outstanding college program. He's coming from one where he's thrived in man coverage, which is uh, transferable in in any system. And he's also he's a guy that like once he gets in here, if he gets in here, I think people will quickly fall in love with his attitude toward football i mean he's just one of those guys that that genuinely loves the game gets the game appreciates the history of the game And so i think that you know again that's another vote for why he's the right pick because i think he could drop in here without that off-season program and he'll be ready
0: thanks a lot justin we appreciate it man we'll be looking forward thanks, to reading you man stay in touch
2: of course have a good
0: one guys. all right justin rogers detroit news thanks to clarence and the boys behind the glass thanks to uh, stevie enjoy the draft everyone stay healthy it's maz and clarence black on nrm streamcast